Well, turn your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 10. We're going to do a quick review, and this is our last message um, in the month of November on the harvest. I hope you have been blessed from the previous messages. I trust that God has been speaking to you, and uh, we want to finish and uh, launch you in this last message, the Lord of the Harvest, part two, the difference a year can make. The difference a year can make. So in Luke chapter 10, if you have your sermon notes, I'm just going to do a quick review of the first two points we talked about, which was compassion. And the second uh, point we talked about was living clean and how God is the one that cleans us up. How many know that you can make so much commitment to God? Say, God, if I just get this right, then I know you'll accept me. And God, if I can just do this right, you'll accept me. And God is saying, there is nothing you can do to gain any more of my love. I love you. And it's God that does the work. And that's that's freedom for some people right there. Okay? That there's many people um, in the body of Christ and people out there who says, I, I can't come to church. I don't have the right things to wear. And I, I can't come to church because I'm going through this. And I can't come to church because I've got this issue and that issue. And God is saying, I'm the one that cleans you up. You see, you're, you're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to make your works try to get you salvation. That And that's not it at all. Now, I have to give a, a, a caution. Some people think that there's no work involved. And we're going to get to that today. There is. There's a discipleship process that God is doing. But when it comes to, to salvation and through what Christ did, it's the work of God through Christ. That's freedom for somebody right there. And so as you're going out and sharing with people and you're asking them, hey, do you want to come to know the Lord? They probably maybe had a bad experience and they're like, no, I can't go to church because of such and such. And I can't go to church because of this. And I'm here to tell you that, number one, God, because of his compassion and that word compassion. And we talked about last week, the evangelists, the writers of the scriptures couldn't find a word in the Greek uh, language, uh, knowing the Septuagint, so they made up a word that described what they saw. And I just want to park it there for a little bit. They saw an action in Jesus, and his action, they couldn't find a language. There wasn't a word in the language, in, in, in the uh, Greek language, to describe what Jesus was doing. We call that supernatural. <laughs> that Jesus will do things in your life that the English dictionary cannot find a word to describe what he's doing in your life. When you say he's good, you still limit the goodness of God. When you say he's marvelous, you're still limiting the, the good the, the God being marvelous. There is no word that we can find that can fully describe God. So they did the best they can. And this word meant that they saw Jesus move amongst the people and it was the innermost bowels. It was the seat of his emotion. It was the deepest part of his being is where he moved from. So if he's all God, which he is, and he's all man, here it is that he's witnessed something, that Jesus saw something in humanity that moved him in compassion to do something about it, to do something. And I think that's just absolutely amazing. And so we looked at, you know, compassion. And, and we talked about that there are people who are aimless and confused, people who are hopeless and helpless, people who are uh, uh, in need of direction in their life. 
How many know people like that? They're in need of direction in their life. And so they're they're reading all the religious books and they're going to, you know, people to read the palm of their hands. And they're just saying, I need some direction here. Um, I'm aimless. I'm confused. And I need some direction. Something has happened to me in my life. Uh, my, my, my marriage, my mind, my children, my finance, uh, my friends, all sorts of things. And they're saying, I need direction. And I'm here to tell that the church, if we move with compassion, we'll see people come into our, you know, uh, come into our churches and they will be able to find a people who are compassionate. They don't compromise. They're compassionate. Um, Christ came to condemn sin because of what sin has done to us. But he doesn't condemn us because he gives us away. And it's really an individual doesn't receive what Christ has done that literally condemns himself. I mean, he's done the work. In Deuteronomy, he, he gives a test, and it's the open book test. He says, I've placed before you life or death. And then he answers it, choose life. I mean, he makes it simple. Choose life. Okay, and so here this morning, I want us to begin by saying, are we going to choose life or are we going to choose death? We're going to choose life, right? Okay, we want life. We're going to choose life. And he says, I'm going to give this life more abundantly. And so when we look at Jesus and we see now in Luke 10, verse one and two, it says, and all these things, after, excuse me, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray. Someone say pray. OK, he says, so pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So there's a connection. So if you write in your Bible um, or for the men who have their journals, I'm still, you can write your journals. It says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers into his harvest. So there's some connection there's some similarity between the Lord and the laborers. There has to be a connection, right? And so we say now that, that when we pray, uh, pray the Lord of the harvest that he's going to do what? Send out laborers into his harvest. So in other words, he says, take the compassion that you've seen in Jesus Christ and pray that there'll be people who are filled with the same compassion that we can send out to people in this world so they can know that there is life, that they can choose life, that they can choose life. And so he's given this instruction. And so I want to now move us from just this place of where he's speaking to the multitude to now where he's speaking to the 11 disciples. So there's an intimate setting that we want to get to um, here in, in this message. Okay. And so in the other part, point two, we talked about clean. I just want to emphasize one thing real quick. The book of Leviticus. How many love the book of Leviticus? It's just your number one book that you decide to read, isn't it? Amen. Just like, don't give me Mark, Luke, or John. I want Leviticus. You can't eat this and you can't do this and in bible school when i had to read the book of leviticus i'm like oh my goodness how in the world this book make it in the bible you know what i mean moses sits there and he teaches it's a really amazing book to read because the purpose of the book of leviticus was god had to clean his people up they spent years in egyptian bondage and they took upon the culture of the egyptians and so he says, I can't bring it to your promised land in your current condition of being unclean. And so he spends an entire book, Leviticus, and he speaks about how to be clean. If you're a leopard or if you touch a dead body or if you do this. And it's all about the ritual requirements for the nation of Israel to be clean. And I said last Sunday that 
God is Mr. Clean. Okay, he, he, he wants to clean you up. He wants to clear. And I asked Megan, I said, honey, w- w- when you get food or you get fruits and, and you want to serve them, he says, w- why, do you, why do you run water underneath them? She goes, well, you got to get all the impurities off. You can't serve something that's not been clean. And, and so I looked at that. I'm like, wow, because, because what they're using, because the ground now and, and, and what has happened and all the pesticides, same thing we have to spray on particular fruits now, we, we got to wash those things off so we're eating things that are healthy. And likewise, because they were in bondage for so long, they were, they were deep into the culture of the Egyptian. I mean, they had, them, they had them so deep into bondage that when they became free, they still thought they were in bondage. I mean, that's some deep, deep mental, psychological warfare that's taking place. I mean, how they had it was they would set up taskmasters, big people, and they would just position them wherever the Egyptians were. And whenever they even had the thought of freedom, they would look at the taskmaster and go back in bondage again. And so here it is now that when God takes us up and he cleans us off and he says, now I release you. We see those things again in our lives and we go back into that place of, of dirt and we go back into that place of living beneath our privilege again. And God is saying, I don't want my church in 2017 to live beneath your privilege. This is the year for you now to live above. He says, I make you the head and not the tail. I make you above and not beneath. You are laborers. You've been put on assignment from the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he has assigned you and I for a work that requires us to know that we are privileged to be the ambassador of a kingdom that's not of this world. And so when the enemy starts to bring up things like sickness and he tries to bring up things like loss, he tries to bring up things, you know, to to try to intimidate you. And the battles with your mind. I'm telling the battles with your mind. If you're not battling right here, then I don't think you're breathing. He wants to battle with your mind right here and bring up things. You see what I'm saying? God is speaking to Megan and myself and says, I need for you to step out into what I have for you. But we remember, we're like, oh God, but last time I did that, it didn't work out quite the way I thought it was going to work out. So I'm just going to retreat back and I'm not going to be a laborer. I'm going to love you, but I'm not going to be a laborer. There's, there's no way. And so we have to win the battle for our minds. So Father, I pray for our minds right now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over every thought. And I say, as Ian said, devil, shut up. Stop playing with my mind. I'm not your toy that you can just play around with. And when the battery runs out, you put new batteries in. Uh-uh, no way. I belong to Jesus Christ and he has cleaned me up. He has washed me clean. He has cleansed me from all the things that, 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 that hinders me from receiving your promises. So the book of Leviticus was important because they couldn't step into their promised land in their current condition. He had to clean them up. And we're going to talk about that today. And so the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm seated today is, number one, um, I typically go out of the camera view, so I'm going to try to stay, stay put here. Um, but I can't promise you, I think before we're over, I'm going to be up here preaching again. So so I'm going to try to be pastoral this morning. Someone say, help him, Jesus. 
Yeah, I'm going to be pastoral this morning. I'm, I'm taking a seat. Amen. And so we want to now look at the next two things that we have to do. And this is where Jesus now, he says to the 70 individuals, he sends them out. But we want to start now where he talks to the 11, not the 12, the 11. When we talked about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus. And Judas betrayed Jesus because he gave his heart to the enemy. See, your heart is what you have to protect. And the Bible says that he allowed the enemy to come into his heart and start to talk to him and says, well, now you know he's not the one to come because if he was, he'd be overthrowing the Roman government right now. And he's not doing what he's doing. And come on, Judas, you know what I mean? You know that he says all this stuff, but it's not true. And he starts to speak. And guess what Judas did? He believed the lie and empowered the liar. And he opened his heart and the Satan came into his heart and he did the thing that, that, that he betrayed the son of God. And yet Jesus still washed his feet. He still washed his feet. So what that tells us is this people aren't our enemy. It's Satan who's the enemy. But he uses people who opens up their heart for him to bring his lies in. I don't know about you, but when I've been hurt, it's typically by somebody. <laughs> I mean, a chair doesn't hurt me as I walk into it and I fall. You know what I mean? I'm kicking this thing. But typically it's someone, right? Someone that opened themselves up to the enemy, right? To say something that, that wounded me. Okay? Why? He doesn't want me to be a laborer. He, he doesn't. Okay? And, 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 so, and so when we look here now, Jesus is now is talking to the 11. And this is now in John chapter 15. John chapter 15. So here he is now. He speaks to the multitude and now he comes and says, okay, I'm going to be pastoral now. I'm about to leave. I'm about to make my exit. And so I now need to share with you the work I'm doing. You saw the miracles. You saw the blind eyes open. You saw the lame walk. You saw the de- de- demonic, you know, rebuke. You've seen everything. But I want to show you, someone say, go deeper. I, I want to show the deeper work I'm doing in your heart. I- I'm going to show the deeper work I want to do in your heart. And so he begins there and he says, I am the Lord of the harvest. You belong to me. I am, I'm not just savior now. I am the Lord. And there's a transition from that, right? He's not just savior, but he's Lord. And he comes down and he says, what I want to do, the work I'm doing in your life, in, in the 11, the work I'm doing is this, is I want to cultivate you. I want to cultivate you. The word cultivate, if we can get that up on, on, the, uh, on the screen, the, the definition, if you have it, Danny, it says to nurture, to foster, to seek the goodwill of, to improve, to tend, to promote the growth of, to form, to refine, ready, to prepare, to bear fruit. That is the work. That's the deep work that Jesus Christ is doing by his spirit in your life right now. So any relationship, pick it, your marriage, pick anything, your company, your business, every sort of relationship that you can have. This is what the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ wants to. This is the work that he, he wants to nurture. He wants to foster. He wants to seek the goodwill, the, the goodwill of. He wants to improve. He wants to, to, to tend. Right. He wants to, uh, to form. He wants to refine. He wants to prepare you to bear fruit. So in John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8, he now begins and says, here's how it's going to work now. So AJ, here it's going to work now. We have to take this relationship from just being a savior to now being, I'm the source of life. I'm the source of life. And so in this intimate setting, he now looks and says, I am the source of life. You're not going to find anything else. No other product, no other individual, nobody else is going to be able to do for you what I can do for you. 
Okay? So I am the source of life. And he sits down and he's making a claim. He's now saying this. You saw me that I'm the resurrection and the life. And yes, I am. You see that I'm the bread that was sent from heaven. Yes, I am. But now he says, I am the vine. He says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bear fruit, he prunes. So here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. He says, every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes it away. This word takes it away means he lifts it out of the ground. Because you're in something that you're supposed to be producing and you're not. So you're in a relationship with me. There should be some evidence of this relationship. And if there's no evidence of this relationship, that I'm not just your savior, but I'm your Lord. I'm going to take it out. Okay. And he says, but those who are bear fruit, he says, oh man, I'm going to do something in you. I'm not, I'm going to prune you. That's painful stuff. Hold on a second, God. I'm faithful. I'm in the ground. I'm doing what you want me to do. And now you're going to take me and you're going to prune me and you're going to cut back some things. He said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Because I want to promote growth in your life. And he says this now. He says that it may bear more fruit. He says, you are already clean. How? Because of the words which I've spoken to you. So he goes back to 13, John 13. He says, you're already clean. Why? He reminds him again. Because maybe from that interaction in John 13 to John 15, the enemy is trying to get in. And he's constantly reminding him, no, you're clean. But I want to cultivate you now. You're clean. I spoke the word over you. And so that now, that word I spoke of you, I spoke the word over you. And I said, now, now you're clean. And so he continues this process. And he says, now, here's this. Abide in me, or one Charlie says, remain in me and I in you. What an awesome relationship that is. Remain in me and I in you. If you remain in me and I remain in you, it says we're going to produce something, right? And he says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So he wants us to take our relationship with him and go to in a deeper way with Jesus Christ. That he becomes the main um, influencer, that he's the only one that gives you your direction and he's the only one that tells you about your destiny. See, the purpose of pruning is that if, 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 if he doesn't come in and he doesn't cultivate, if he doesn't prune, it's going to grow all over the place. There's going to be no direction. So he wants to come and he cuts back things so that you can not just bear fruit because he sees the evidence of it. He wants to bear even more fruit. So the purpose of being cultivated is for, ready for this? It's for direction and it's for destiny. It's for direction and it's for destiny to write it down. So the purpose of cultivating you is to promote growth, but growth where? It's to give you the direction you need so you can reach your destiny. And what's your destiny? Is that you would be fruitful. Is that you'd be fruitful. Now he said this because the word I've spoken over you, right? Did you read that in verse 3? You're already clean because the words which I've spoken over you. How many know that when God speaks a word, it cannot return void? Right? It has to accomplish that which he said. So he's saying that the word I've spoken over you, that word cannot return void. The word must return back and it must prosper in the things that God has said to you. Holy Spirit, help me get this across because I believe God wants someone to understand. The word that God speaks over your life, it will not return void. It will accomplish every single thing in your life. And because he gave his word, he's going to cultivate so his word can come to pass. It's for his word, not about you. It's his word. 
Jesus is the only one that can give his word and know that his credibility and the characteristic of that word will come to pass. That's why you got to be a student of the word of God. Read the Bible. You got to be a student of it. Right. And I know this may seem elementary, but it's so important because the culture is challenging the very word of God. It's challenging the word, saying the word is no longer important. And if we're going to get to 2017, that this nation is going to go the right direction, we got to tell this nation, you got to abide in Jesus. You have to abide in the word of God. And so when he labors, you're going to say, hey, no, his word is going to be what his word said. And here's why. Because when Jesus, sorry, when God created humanity, he says, let us make man in our likeness and our image in Genesis chapter 1. But he says something important. The first time he speaks, he says, be fruitful. So here he says, be fruitful in Genesis. And all of a sudden now, here in John chapter 15, he's saying, be fruitful. He said, I said the word back in Genesis in the beginning. And here I am now going to tell you again, be fruitful. So in God's mind, he says, my work can't return forward. You must be fruitful. That's what we talk about prosperity. Have you noticed in all the messages I've talked about in provision and harvest, I haven't talked about money yet? If I don't win your heart, I'm not going to win your wallet. <laughs> because when he's the Lord of your heart, he's the Lord of everything. And we don't have to have some gimmick or some gadget to get you to give money. Come on, somebody. You're going to give because you abide in the vine. You're like, I'm abiding in Jesus. He owns it all anyway, so I'm just going to give everything to Jesus. You see how simple it really is? Now, I'm not knocking those who've written a book on how to raise more money if you have a campaign. That's great. But if the foundation is not there of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to give out of guilt anyways. And it's not going to prosper anything. One of the reasons why this ministry has grown and, and the cafe and everything is because you have been given your time, your talent, your treasure. You've been given. And God has said, if my people will give, oh my goodness, I'll do great things. And so that's why he's saying you have to, you have to abide in it. So please understand from the very foundation, from the very moment that you were conceived in the thought of God, he said, he wants you to be fruitful. And so here he's saying now that he has to cultivate. And this process is not easy. It's not easy. And especially if you're married to somebody who God's pruning. Come on, it's not easy. It's not easy. And I shared before with Megan, when we were going through our process of God, is the ever God said, no, Ron, I'm, I'm pruning you, babe. I'm pruning you. I'm cutting back some things. I've got to cut out some dead things because if you allow the dead things to live, it'll take the nourishment you need to live. And so there, there, there are certain relationships that are dead and you're still trying to carry those things around. Huh? Dead relationship that God said, it's not giving you any nourishment whatsoever. It is draining you of your nourishment. It is changing your mind. You're not being transformed, but you're still bringing on this dead thing with you. And we don't want God to, to cut it because we realize that, no, that was really our relationship, wasn't it? And so God is saying, I want to prune you. I want to cut those relationships off. Now, I'm not saying going on everyone that's, you know, I'm going to cut off your relationship. But I'm talking about there's certain relationships, you know, they're dead and they're holding you back. And you need to say, hey, you know what? I can't have you take the nourishment anymore that I need for me to grow. For me to grow. Okay. And so he begins, he says in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this is, by this, my father's glorified that you bear much fruit. So you'll be uh, uh, my disciple. Okay, my disciple. So I hopefully have communicated. God wants to produce fruits. He wants us to be a fruitful people. 
Okay, so in Matthew chapter 7 now, he says, Now, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves, ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits, not by their charisma, not by all the gifts and things you see. He says, you will know them by their what? Fruits. You will know them by that. You will know those who are planted in Jesus because you will see their fruits. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So our goal then is to produce fruit that people can see and know that we're connected in Jesus and we're not being deceived. Let me tell you something. In 2017 and onward, we're going to see more of false prophets going to be coming up. And we have to be people. We're not going to be deceived. We're not going to be misled. We're not going to have our destiny taken away because we know that this is the word of the Lord and we're going to stand by. Someone say amen to that. I think it's interesting. I just want to make this little point that that sometimes um, we talked about the difference a year can make. And so a greenhouse is defined as this. A greenhouse is a strategically designed growth accelerator. The purpose of a greenhouse is to shield crops from excess cold or heat and unwanted pests. A greenhouse makes it possible to grow certain types of crop year round. So here it is now that those individuals who want to grow crops all year round and say, well, the elements will stop. He says, no, build a greenhouse and you can grow things all year round in the greenhouse. I'm making a point here. In the greenhouse, you can grow fruit all year round. The difference a year can make. So when some people says, well, it's not the season for this. You can say, oh, yeah, baby, it is the season because I put it in the greenhouse. And so it's able then, it's a strategically designed growth accelerator, the greenhouse. And I'm going to share with you as we finish this message that God, it's not the greenhouse, it's called God's house. And God's house is strategically designed growth accelerator. That all year round or, or every year or every day or every month, if we're in the house of God, you will see that we're able to produce the fruit that we need. And that's what says, don't forsake the assembly of yourself together. Because when you come together, you're going to be able to produce fruit all year round. You're going to be instant, in season and out of season. You're going to constantly be producing things that people can come and can eat from that and say, oh my goodness, this is some good fruit all year round. All year round. So here are some of the fruit that we have to be careful of. The first one is this in Matthew chapter 3. It says, when, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to be baptized, this is John the Baptist now, he says, this type of preaching now will get you locked up. I mean, this is not politically correct. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. So what he was saying was this. You religious mindset, you're coming now and you're bringing your fruits of repentance. And it says, your heart's not being transferred here. So your heart's not in it. You're coming now out of religious act. And he says, make sure you have fruit worthy of repentance. In other words, repentance means to change your mind. Change your mind. They were still bought into the religious system. So it continues now, not just the fruit of repentance, but he goes out to the fruit of religion. And he says in Matthew chapter 3, 9 and 10, And do not think to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So he said, make sure you bring fruit worthy of repentance and make sure you don't bring fruit of religion. Don't bring religion. Religion will never get you what is that you want. It never will. It never will. It's a system of man 
that's trying to find a way to connect with God and is never going to work. And so here was even telling them that what we need now is this is we need the fruit of the spirit. So in Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23, but the fruit of the spirit is what? It's love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But the fruit of the spirit is love is joy, is peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What are you saying, Pastor Ro? What I'm saying is that the work that the Holy Spirit's doing deep in your life is to produce these fruits of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness. These are the evidence that the fruit of the Spirit is in your life. How many know we need more love and joy and peace and long suffering and all these things? There are times I'm like, God, patience, oh my goodness, and, and self-control. He said, yes, these are the fruits I want to I, I want to create in you. I want to cultivate these things in you. It's the fruit of the Spirit because we're supposed to live by the Spirit. And here it is now in Ephesians 5 verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. And he also says this, now the fruit of the spirit, but now the fruit of righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. We had a movement of people who left the religious uh, 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 institution all the way back from even um, Martin Luther, who nailed on the door of the church. He nailed and said, the just shall live by faith. And so from back in Martin Luther day, uh, people have been saying, I'm tired of religion. And we have this major movement now of people saying, all that we need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're correct. But this is where the church is stuck right here. It's just in this relationship with Jesus Christ. And we haven't moved from here over to where God wants to go. And so though it's great to be here, it's still better than being in a religious mindset. We've sat in this place of religion. And what, ha- sorry, relationship. And what happens is this. What happens is this. Sometimes we confuse being authentic and being transparent for glorifying sin. Uh, okay? So, yes, we are a broken people, but we have someone who has healed us of our brokenness. And, and so there is the element of being authentic and being transparent. But if you stay here only, you will never get to a place of what I call righteousness. And so we got to get to righteousness for the kingdom of God is in righteousness. It's, it's over here. So I'm shifting you as a church. Stay with me. I'm shifting you as a church now. We have been successful in getting away from religion. And we've now stepped into a place where we have relationship with Jesus Christ. But now as a church, we have to now move over and he's cultivating us so we can step now into righteousness. Because it's righteousness that exalts a nation. Not just a relationship. Because you can talk to a lot of people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior, but they don't know him as Lord. And if they just stay here in this place of relationship, yes, I think the Bible tells that they'll make it to heaven, but they'll never bring heaven down to earth. And righteousness releases you now as laborers because you know, the Lord of the harvest to now release heaven on earth. And people who are confused, people who are weary, people who are hopeless, people who are helpless, doesn't just need to know there's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's great. But what they have to know is that there's a righteousness that comes from heaven. And there's a power, there's a spirit that's able to take what you think is insufficient and make it sufficient. Come on, somebody. That you can walk in supernatural power. That the dead can be raised. Come on. The blinded eyes can open. The lame can walk. That is because of a righteousness that God has for us. Are you hearing me? 
So we have to move because see what happened is people are staying in this relationship and what happens if they don't keep a great program, people are going to leave, right? So now they hire great musicians. Come on, somebody. And they have all the flash and all the glitter. But there's no power because all they're telling people is you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But they never take them now over to here to say you got to get to a place of righteousness. Because in righteousness, there's love, there's joy, there's peace. Baby, you could be in a relationship and still hate people. You could be in a relationship with other believers and can't stand it. But you can't step over to righteousness. And have that same mindset. No. Why? Because God's doing a work in my heart. How can you be reconciled back to that person? It wasn't easy. I couldn't just stay right here. I had to move over here into this place where God was cultivated inside of me. Because the damage was real. The pain was real. But I stepped into a place of righteousness. I took on God's righteousness. Clothed in Jesus Christ. And I'm living by the spirit of the living God now. And so I move into a place of righteousness. Gather in place. We have moved from religion. Thank God for that. We have moved from religion where you couldn't bring coffee into the building. Come on, somebody. We moved away from religion where if you didn't have a suit and a tie, we moved from religion. That's why people think they can't come to church because they see the religiosity and they say, that's not attractive to me. I don't want any of that. And that's what they say, the people who, who, who are protesting all that kind of stuff. Come on, listen to me. It, it, how we're going to win people over to Christ is not by sticking religion down their throat. It hasn't worked. They're making a mass exit. We have young people that when they get to the age we don't have to come to church anymore, they leave the faith because all we taught them was religion. And they only had a relationship with Jesus as long as you as the parents were there. So now when they're at the age, there was no cultivating taking place. There was no deep work taking place in their life. They weren't connected to the vine. They were just connected to a chair. And all of a sudden now we don't have to be connected anymore. They leave the church and says because it's too religious. So we have to shift now and move over, over to this place. And here we are now. And I'm believing that we got to get to this place where it's about righteousness now. It's about being a fruit of righteousness. It's doing what is right and what is truthful. And because God is cultivating that in our lives. Are you with me? Are you with me? Oh. Praise God. Thank you, Ryan. Praise God. My Oakleys. Amen. Praise God. Someone say fruit of righteousness. Okay. So here's what we're going to do now. Here's what we're going to do now. We've got 10 minutes. Here's what we're going to do now. Here's in Luke 13. In Luke 13, the Bible talks about... In Luke 13, here's how everything comes together. So Luke 13 now, it's a parable. He says, he says, he, he, he planted, he planted a fig tree in his vineyard. And now, after three years, he comes to it. And he examines what he put in the ground. And he says, it's not producing righteousness. It's in the ground in relationship, but it's not producing righteousness. And he now says, cut it down, take it out, watch compassion, pray the Lord of harvest. No, 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 give it one more year. 
give it one more year and let me now do something to it. So there's a work that's taking place deep underneath the soil. And he now says, give it one more year. And if it produces fruit, awesome. If it doesn't, then cut it down. He said, what God is saying prophetic to a nation, because the fig tree represents a nation of Israel. And what God is saying to America, one more year. Oh, God. I'm one more year. Come on. Who thought one more year? I'm about to cut it because I've got it, but I'm going to give it one more year. And that's the compassion of God. That's the love of God that said, I'm compassionate to this nation of America and I'm giving it one more year. And I'm here to declare, if you're going to join with me, come on somebody, that we're going to take America from just having a relationship by name only. We're going to step now into righteousness and we're going to produce fruits of righteousness so other nations can see that we still serve the God and the only God, Jehovah. And that's what we're going to do. One more year. Someone say one more year. One more year. He's sitting there. And not just to the nation of America. He's not talking to the church. He's saying to the church, you got to produce righteousness. You have one more year. Look what he says. He said, let me not just sit there and just look at it. Let me get involved in the process. And he says, let me dig around it. Let me fertilize it. Let me make the ground ready for what God wants to do. He says, let me get it ready. And we have one more year. What a difference a year can make. And so God has put something in your hands to go to the soil, those hard soil, because they're confused, they're aimless, they're hurt, they're helpless, they're hopeless. And he said, I put something in your hands. I've given you a gift. I've given you something to go and you need to now go and you need to fertilize and you need to now go ahead and dig it up and dig it up so that it can produce fruit of righteousness, fruit of righteousness. And so here it is now that we're walking by people and we have to know and we have to let them know, no, you can't be productive. You're not a failure. God has a purpose for your life. He wants to clean you up. I'm digging around. And so there's relationship that's going to come in your life and you think, no, no, those are great relationships. Those are relationships that's weighing you down. Those are relationships that's here to cultivate you, right? They're, they're mentors that you need to have. Get a mentor. Someone's going to speak to you and says, come on, I, I want to produce more fruit in your life. And so God has gifted me with something to produce the fruit in your life. And, and it's mentorship and, and, and talking to people and say, come on, I need your help. It's humility. It's honor. It's coming and saying, hey, 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 can you help? me can you help me and that's what we're looking for right is mentors is mentors today today my 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 mentor my my brother-in-law today's his birthday and as i posted something on facebook and i thought about how he mentored me in my life the pruning process the pruning process and i remember the time when he was he walked up to me and and he said and he walked he says he goes what's your mission statement he may have heard us before and and i start to, to babble um, it's to, uh, and he goes, shut up. <laughs> you don't have one. And he got a book and he threw it at me. He says, I want you to read this book. Now go buy your own. And I want you to read this book and get your mission statement. And that's when I was in my 20s. I'm now 46 years old. And because a mentor who cultivated around me, who was able to dig up those things so the work can go deep into my heart. Now, I live by my message statement for all my life. I, I, and, and that's what I'm talking about. We need to get a mentor, someone in our life who's going to cultivate us, who's going to walk with us. 
And that's one of the joys I have a pastor is I get an opportunity every Sunday to pour into you and to dig around those areas. And so, and so for, for the last couple of months, I, I, I've been, I've been coming to you, but now it's time where I'm like, no, I see more fruit and I'm going to be digging around, cultivating. Why? Because you were created to be productive. Yes, you were. You're created to be productive. And that's what, that's what we're going to be doing. And so now we end with this. We end with this. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. And even when you were singing that song about trust, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, God, I don't think he read my notes. I don't know if he hacked my computer and read my notes, but he's talking about trust. And look at Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. He says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spread out its roots by the river and will not fear when he comes. But its leaf will be green (laughs) and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. In other words, when you trust in God, no element out there can prevent you from producing the harvest. When you know God and you are connected to him as the vine and you are the branches, there is no way that you won't produce. This is your harvest. We're wrapping up this month message on harvest. And God wants you to know that there is a harvest that you wouldn't have room enough to contain. I don't care what the conditions look like outside. I don't care what the weather looks like outside. When you're planted inside of Jesus Christ, your roots will go to the river, to the water, and you will yield fruits all the time. Consistently, you will always be producing fruit. That is a prophetic word for somebody. You will never, ever be in lack. Not when I read this. Not when I trust in the Lord. Don't trust in chariots. Don't trust in horses. But trust in the Lord. And in Jeremiah 17, that's what he's saying. He said that you're always going to produce. You are always going to produce. And now, now we end with this. The commission. Last point, the commission. The commission. 60 seconds to communicate the commission. I've always played sports. From the time I was a kid, I was a uh, successful wrestler. Not WWF, you know. <laughs> successful wrestler. My my brother, he wrestled. And I was in elementary school. And he said, why don't you try for the wrestling team? And um, I did. And I was the Ontario champion, which is the equivalent of being the best in the state of Ohio. So in Ontario... The province, I was the best wrestler in my weight category in the entire province of Ontario. My medals at my mom's house in the trophies. I beat the Canadian champion. It was unofficial, but I did. I whooped him. I beat him. Okay, I, I, I beat him. And um, and and so in 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 wrestling, um, very 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 successful. And I've always been chosen to be part of a team. On the basketball team, I was the captain on the basketball team. Why am I saying this? There's something about being chosen. Even before LeBron James. There's something about being chosen. And here it is now that that Jesus says, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I made the investment in the relationship. You didn't choose me, AJ. I chose you, AJ. That's what he's saying. But God, look at my life. No, no, but, but I chose you. Yes, yes. But, but look, what I'm, look what I'm going through. No, I chose you. Yes, yes. You didn't choose me. Yes. 
No, no, no. Let, let's get this straight. I chose you. Here, well, I, I'm the one that chose you. God is the one that said, I, I, I chose you, Jerry. I, I chose you, Pastor Betty. Hey, Tim, I'm the one that chose you, buddy. I, I, I chose you. You're on the team. It's not like some sports where you're the last one picked because nobody wants you. And they're like, oh, gosh, I got to pick you. He says, no, 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 for my pleasure. For my pleasure. For my pleasure. You, you were chosen. You. For God's pleasure. Oh, I'm sensing the power of the Holy Spirit right now. He chose Israel. He chose America. Hey, Charlie, he, he chose you. Hey, Karen, he chose you. Alexander, you know he chose you. And put a word in your mouth. My God. Yeah. Yeah, Teresa, you know he chose you. Rochelle, he, he chose you. John, yes. Gave you a biblical name. John. Hey, you know he chose you, girl. Cultivated you. So you could produce food in the harvest. Honestly, he chose you, man. He chose you. He chose you. Smile and everything. He chose you. He chose you. No, not mommy and daddy. Not because they were in the mood. Come on, somebody. Uh-huh. Not because I said, hey, come on, come on, let's go to the bedroom. No, 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 no. God chose you. Kelly, he, he chose you. He chose you. He chose you, man. He chose you. You're wrong. I know he chose you, buddy. I know he chose you. I know he chose you, Marie. He, he, he says, I, I choose you. When the enemy said, Look at them. Look what they did. They ate the fruit of sin. Why would you choose them? And God is saying, because I gave my word. I gave my word. And I can't take it back. I gave my word in the midst of their sickness, in the midst of their sin. I chose you. And he's now saying, don't give the enemy room in your heart. Don't allow him. He'll destroy your life. He'll mess up your mind. He'll mess up relationships. He'll mess things up and you will cause things to die. And that's why you're walking around with things that are dead because, because we open ourselves up to the enemy and he's all about death, but I'm about life. I chose you. And that's the message we're going to leave here with. So what God it wants from us, if you know you're chosen, please give me 60 more seconds. Because I talked about a greenhouse. Let me now talk about God's house. When you know you're chosen, this will be your experience. In the year King Uzziah died. Oh God. Isaiah chapter 6. God says, I need a prophetic voice in the year. 
King Uzziah died. Cut off. I saw the Lord. High and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And there was a heavenly worship taking place there. I saw the supernatural opened up because he says, I chose you, Isaiah. I'm seen into the spiritual realm. Worship. And the voice came out and said this. The doorpost was shaking. Because when he enters the room, everything changes. Then the question was asked is this. Oh God, I got to let you out of here. Who can I send? And who will go for me? Isaiah said, here are my Lord. With unclean lips, here are my Lord. I messed up, Lord, but here am I. And then he touched his mouth. He says, you're clean. You're clean, you're clean. He says, send me. John 15 says, I, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. You will go and bear fruit. Whatever head bowed, every eyes closed. I, I, I sincerely apologize for going over time. I'm, I'm, I apologize for that. And after I pray, and you have to go. I understand. I want you to go. And, and, and that's fine. And enjoy your week. And we'll see you here on, on Monday if you can help at 6 p.m. And we'll see you here on Tuesday. And I'm reminded it's Thursday. It's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. And, and Tuesday for those who want to become, you know, start, start strong 101. But, 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 but if, if you would be so kind as we launch the final message of this series. join me and say Pastor Ro I'm gonna I, I want to grow with you I want you just to find an altar right where you are and just say God you could send me you could send me and we'll pray the Lord of the harvest he'll send forth laborers we prayed for you We've been praying for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the deep work that you are doing. The cultivated work you're doing. And the commission that you're doing is you're sending us. You've empowered us. In the name of Jesus, if that's you. Father, bless your people. Bless your people as they go about their day, Lord.